Hi everyone, and welcome to the 173rd episode of Kingdom Hearts Union. I'm your host, Brandon, and I'm here with Churro! Hey guys. Churro! Yes? You, you, went to E3! I did. Whoa! How was it? It was mellow. Mellow in a good way or in a bad way? It uh, depends how you look at it. As a <laughs> as a media person, it was it was a good thing. Okay, but it was a bad thing because like the like you know it's 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 a weird. It's kind of like a you know how you go to like a party with the with the same friend all the time. Yeah, and then but one that one time your friend isn't there, and it's yep. like you notice that you know that they're not there. It's kind of yeah. like that. It's like there's no Sony. Yep, no know? Sony. And Microsoft moved themselves from in the convention center to outside the convention center. Yep. So, so you, EA too, right? And yeah, there's no EA. It's crazy. Well, way, yeah, because because EA, EA moved out too as well. Yeah. To, for their own EA play. So like a lot of people are just not there, you know, yeah. inside the convention center anymore. So it's That's like, crazy. You, you just walk around and like when I was walking around the, you know, how you go to the West hall and you have Nintendo yeah. to the left. Nintendo's Microsoft. And then to the North of Microsoft is Sony. But it's like, when you get there, it's Nintendo. And then to your left, it's just a bunch of other booths there that are there like that. Yeah. Usually do advertising. Like there's yeah, a lot yeah, of, yeah. there was a lot of like gamer energy drink booths. <laughs> And like I got so many samples from them, I was like, I still have them in my backpack. (laughs) Oh my god! Well, at least there's that. Now you're gonna be fueled like a gamer, right? How how was the concert? The Kingdom Hearts concert. Kingdom Hearts concert was great. It was so nice to hear the Kingdom Hearts three music because, for one, we don't even have the soundtrack yet. I know. Is that crazy? It's it's still it still befuddles me right now. But it, it's this just is not normal, right? Usually not. Usually the soundtrack. I, I remember specifically. Uh, remember back when Kingdom Hearts Two was coming be- coming out. I remember one of like the news uh, bits of news that came out before the Kingdom Hearts Two before Kingdom Hearts Two came out was that the soundtrack list was shown and everybody was reading it to try to figure out the story of Kingdom Hearts Two. We yeah, didn't get that. that. Yeah, we didn't get we didn't get nothing of that at all. You know, it, it, that's crazy. Maybe maybe there's like some uh, legal issues with like maybe either Disney or Utada or I don't know. Well, this time the concert was more made because in the last two previous years, yeah. it was just like specific tracks. Now yeah. it's this whole thing was all about uh, medleys. Oh, so basically, I actually kind of like those better because you know lately when I've been going to these concerts, it's kind of like. You know, like the game music these days is so close to being either they are close to being orchestral or they're actually live recordings in the game. So I kind of prefer the concert experience to be a little bit differently set up than what we normally have in the game. And not only that, like sometimes like I my only complaint about it was that the the choosing of what song to be put in the medleys. Like, for example, the yeah. first half of the concert was pretty much Kingdom Hearts 1 to Kingdom Hearts, like, 2.8. Yeah. And the second half is all Kingdom Hearts 3. Okay. So, pretty much, like, for example, you have Chain of Memories. Like, they didn't put Lord of the Castle in there. Even though Lord of the Castle is, like, one of the Why best the- tracks in there. <laughs> That's the best track. 
So like yeah, they they had like different, and then it, it was like the shortest one, like that and recode and recoded were like the shortest oh, well. ones. So like understandable. It's it's understandable, but I'm like, come on, you gotta put Lord of the Castle if you're doing Chain of Memories. Yeah. Did Dream Drop Distance get anything? What did they have? Oh man, what did they have? I've, if they had majestic wings, I'm gonna cry. I. I'm not. I can't remember what it was. Yeah, it's on, it might have been be, like it, should it might be have been the, like the Xehanort stuff. Well, it should be on the um, the soundtrack too. Okay, so I'll, I'll check that later. We'll see what's on there. But it it was it was great to see like like all of them on there. Like my favorite one for like the first half was Days because because it goes from like you know like the other promise to Vector to the heavens. Oh my god, that's so cool. So, See that's a, that's a, those are some songs that I really want to hear live. And then then the Kingdom Hearts three stuff was really impressive because like well first like like the very beginning of like the second half of the show they would do like two worlds per like one like thing. Then they started yeah. like as they got closer to the like because they they were doing it for all the worlds at least. Yep. So like but as they got closer to like the end worlds like you know mm-hmm. Big Hero six and pirates like pirates became its own song. The, yep. its own like section and then big hero six became its own section that's so it's awesome like, so then then after that it was like the 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 medley of like the different boss battle themes and oh, that was cool. that was that was great but but wow. the, my favorite track was definitely face my fears oh right right they did that live awesome face my uh, it's i'm so mad that it's not on the the cd <sighs> Oh well, I guess at least for now it's going to be exclusive to the concert. So the concert, hopefully they'll put it out whenever the soundtrack comes out. But Face My Fears in the orchestral format was such an experience, and then Chikai yep. was was tearjerker. Yeah, for sure, for sure, no question about that. Did, did was there anything for like Final World at all? I don't think so. Oh yeah, because that's that's one of my like favorite tracks, honestly, from King of Hearts. Yeah, 3, unfortunately, is the final there, world was, stuff. there was no final world. There was no Scala at Kylum. Uh yeah, uh, maybe so. maybe they consider that to be too spoilery. Yeah, even though the whole in the, pretty much the entire thing was spoiler. Yeah, exactly. Oh well. Uh, I know we're not the Final Fantasy podcast, but you did, in fact, play Final Fantasy VII. So, uh, like, I I'm obligated as a as a human being, a gamer, and a Final Fantasy fan to ask you for your opinions on playing the Seven Remake demo. How was that? Because that that is the one thing, apart from everything else, that I am the most jealous about. But I'm so happy for you that you got to experience it. Not once, but twice. Twice. Oh my god. But it, it was it was amazing. Like it's like it's the it's actually like Kingdom Hearts, but mm-hmm. it's limited. It's like you know in Kingdom Hearts you're so free, to you yeah. know, jump around, up down, you know, glide, float, and everything. Yeah, it's like Cloud can't do that. Cloud is just strictly mm-hmm. ground based. You know, he's ground based. And I love like, the look of his combos. They look so good, and they look the, really the, powerful. The, the power, like, like he's more. You know, he's he's the power type of you know character you know when then yep. you have barrett who's more of like a long range, range yeah yeah you yeah. know but his attacks don't do as much damage and like yeah. with the, the way the demo was set up you know they gave barrett cure so you had to 
make sure you know you're carrying yourself with it and and basically yeah. like it's like a it's like a kingdom hearts but like limited kingdom hearts mixed with like final fantasy 13 with the stagger system yeah because yeah. like because basically these these enemies have a lot of like hp so yeah. like without especially the boss it's the, really the boss yeah well the, it without seems the like staggers, it's really important to do the stagger yeah yeah, because cause when you fight the boss, which is, you know, the Sentinel Scorpion, yep. like, at some point you have to do, like, a stagger on him, because, or else you're going to be doing, fighting him forever. Yeah, yeah, Cause, yeah, exactly. Because basically, you, his HP takes a while to come down, so. Yep. But, like, I really like the situational um, themes that come with the battle, especially against yeah. the Sentinel Scorpion. Like, once he starts, you know, get, you know... So when HP starts dropping, you know he starts doing you know more different attacks, and then yeah, once you get down to like the last fourth of his health, he starts using his tail, his you know his infamous tail laser. Yeah, which, yeah. Uh, like he'll jump. And it across. seems like it's like starting to. It also like starts to destroy parts of the the reactor as well. That's like the very. That's like the last sliver of health. He'll yeah. start going like haywire. Starts like doing all these that's attacks. So at once. cool, because like that's so rare that like. Like we're we're always seeing these bosses with all this like awesome power, but then like it's so rare that it actually like greatly affects the background and greatly affects the environment that you're in. But like for this one, it's like rubble starts falling down and the thing starts catching on fire and like the whole lighting changes and like it's so cool. Especially like when you do the tail laser, you got to hide behind like debris that fall yeah. down. You know, it's it's kind of like something you expected like final fantasy 15 to have but you know yeah. kind of didn't you know 15 it's more like yeah 15 is more freeform like kingdom hearts but it's yeah. still you know hack and slash here you, yeah you can't do that here you have to mix up your attacks you have to block you know yep. attacks and it's all about way. like it's all about like building up your atb and like using abilities it's not yeah. just about the hack and slash and that's something that you know, you know, people crap on Final Fantasy Thirteen, but that's that's some clear influence from Final Fantasy Thirteen's combat is the the importance of abilities and that and basically you got to plan ahead because, like for example, yeah. you know, you can either you can either manually switch over to you know Barrett and have mm-hmm. say you need a cure, right? You can yeah, you could do one of two things: you can switch to Barrett and do it manually, or you yeah. can press R two and assign Barrett to do it for you yeah so okay and then so basically you tell him hey cloud needs a cure and your plan is cloud you know you press r2 you select the menu you do that and then oh, then it bear throws a cure at you you know and you don't miss a beat you're still focused so on what cool. you're doing so you know you don't have to worry about like you know how in kingdom hearts you know you have yeah. to hopefully donald throws that cure at you when you're yeah, low at hell here, but now you, you can now you can man, control them. Yeah, you control what what they do, and it's you know very helpful. So awesome! That you is know? so awesome. So it's like I'm like I'm actually looking at it and going, man, I hope Kingdom Hearts, you know, no more. I give some of the stuff from Seven Remake to Kingdom Hearts, yeah. especially when when it comes to party control. Like, yeah, you know, at least like if you if you know if Disney doesn't allow you to control full on Donald, full on Goofy, or full on Mickey, at least give us the ability to. Allow like give them, them commands. to give them commands for you to set something. If you need a cure, have Donald cure. If yeah. you need, you know, Donald to cast thunder on a specific, you know, th- you know, enemy that's weakness to thunder, let yeah. him do that. You know, I would love to see Kingdom Hearts, you know, grow even more to something exactly. like that. That way, you're just not 
going in, hacking and slashing, throwing magic here and there, and maybe get a block in it or two. No, mm-hmm. this is this is you know when they they when they said at the press conference that like, you can't hack like hack and slash, they really mean you can't go in there and just hack and slash because you have to be yeah. aware of all your your surroundings and like there was a mm-hmm. point where like I kept hacking and slashing just to see how far I can get. And yeah. I was so used to doing Kingdom Hearts style where you just go in and then you dodge roll out. And it's like I I wasn't even paying attention to my health. I didn't realize Cloud was almost dead until yeah. I was like so I realized yeah. this is not working. Yeah. So speaking on the hack and slash at least, does you know, feeling wise, not necessarily how it works with the game design, because clearly that's different. But how does how does it feel? Does it feel like Kingdom Hearts, or does it feel like a different version of a Kingdom Hearts character? It's you know it's when you're playing stiff. as Cloud, it's, it's very stiff. Very stiff. Like he's not mm-hmm. he's not really you know like very elastic, kind of like rubbery, like how Sora is. Mm-hmm. He's very. Free. Would you compare him to like if you had to compare him to a character? Would you say he's more like a Terra? Kind he's more of like a, a Terra. feeling. Okay. Terra is like slow. He's you know. You know, you know, it takes a while because he's he's wielding a big sword, so he's got to yeah. s- take time to swing it. And you know, he's That's fast as he is with it. You know, it's still he's still very stiff, very slow. Yeah. So like, yeah. I'm I'm sure that once you know, if we ever get to play as Tifa in a demo, she's going to be I'm a sure lot faster. I'm sure she'd be very a lot faster. You know, Barrett. You know, Barrett's very slow too because he's a big guy. Yeah. But yeah, his for attacks, sure. you know. His attacks are very fast too. Uh, like, yeah. I really love one of his commands, is where it's like he just like shoots a burst of bullets at like one time. Yeah. It's just like it's just like brr, 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 and then it's like yeah. boom. And, and my like, understanding wow. is that like Barrett, his attacks seem to build stagger more than than clouds do. Yeah, and then yeah. he also has like defense and like his he has a steel like a kind of like a steel guard like snow hat. Yeah, like, yeah, it's yeah. called steel skin. So it's like he's got like defensive enhancements for himself. That's one thing that I will say though about Final Fantasy 13 is I did enjoy the battle system. Like the system, like the, there's a lot of there's a lot in that system that that felt really good. Even though like the game around it, I didn't necessarily like that as much. But like I definitely felt like the the combat system of like the paradigm shift and it, the, the, all it that was stuff. very underrated. Because yeah. when you play thirteen two, you it becomes so much better. Like they pretty yeah. much they pretty much took all the complaints about thirteen and just made thirteen two like battle system so much better. Yeah, so I'm glad to see that um, they weren't discouraged by all the thirteen hate and like used that and like added the good elements of that into this battle system. And it also seems like. You know, there's a lot of good elements from Kingdom Hearts in there as well. You know, you got the shortcut commands, you've got the uh, the hack and slash action combat. Because like, no, you know, they, yeah, they they still have to keep with that realism too. Because you know, remember, yeah, you know, this isn't like a fantasy, you know, Disney game where you know you're you're floating. You know, you're your yeah, combat's you're not very floating. Walls like crazy. Yeah, here you still have to keep some sort of realism in it. Yeah. You know, with you know. So, Although I gotta wonder, like th- this is obviously not gonna happen for a long, long time. But how the hell is Cloud, him, you know, being as sl- sluggish as you're talking about, you know, wheeling that big store, being, re- re- you know, realistic? How the hell is Cloud gonna fight like Emerald Weapon? Like <laughs> that thing's a tower. And if he can't jump, what is he gonna do? I can't imagine. We don't know if they're gonna. I don't know how they're going to implement that. They're probably going to do something like with airship, probably. 
Yeah, they they, they got to come up with something because yeah, that's a uh, that's going to be interesting. But yeah, overall, would you say like like was that your game of the show? Like, how, how do you feel about FF Seven coming out of that? Yeah, it raised my expectations. Like seeing seeing the the mini like trailer they put out. On, yeah, uh, at the concert. Yeah, you know, it, it ramped up my hype, and then seeing the um, the extended trailer at the conference. Oh yeah, you know, it, it was it was slowly building up, but then once I got my hands on playing it, after I was done, I was like, I need this game now. Yeah, for sure. Which so so I, I guess last real thing I want to talk about is the the whole deal with it being just the Midgar segment. How do you feel about? You know, like it's it's like to me, at least it feels nice that like, you know, yeah, they waited this far and they didn't say that much. But you know what? Now that they they finally come out, it's not like we have to wait many, many years for us to get our hands on Final Fantasy seven remake. Like the first part of it's going to be out next next March. Like that's pretty quick. Like, uh, you know, are you really all that bummed, even though it's just just Midgar? Do you think that's enough? I think that's enough. Midgar alone, you know, like, I mean, a lot of people might say, you know, Final Fantasy VII overall is a great game. Yeah. But what really made Seven stood out was, to me, was the entire Midgar. Because, like, I'm a big fan of, like, dystopian, post-apocalyptic yeah. type of settings. Especially when you're going against, like, a power-hungry company. Like, I love being exactly. that anti-hero of a group like Avalanche bombing, you know. Yeah. You know, try to take down you know this big giant corporate, you yeah. know, company. You know, it's like to me, that's like, I was like, yeah, like if if the first part of Seven Remake is going to be all about this, and plus, yeah, that you're fleshing out Midgar more exactly. than what you know like the original back, game. Back you. in the day, the original one, we didn't really get to see that much of Midgar. It was really just even, like, even though you've been told by like Barrett and Tifa, yeah. and others, and and people who live in Midgar in the slums, you know, tell you yeah. repeatedly how bad it is. You know, now you get to actually see it more up front. You get to see exactly. how what you know, like when you saw the small clip of Cloud walking to the train, and then the train, even that train sequence alone, you'd hear different reactions about. You know, even hell, even Shinra workers, you know, complaining about working, yeah, you know, taking the the late train, the last train back home. Yeah, you know, you get this. You you know, it's going to be great to see more of a realistic approach of how everybody suffers work. You know, in exactly. Midgar, even the Shinra employees. There's also like um, some interesting elements that that have been shown in trailers of you know potentially things that we haven't seen before. You know, there was that ghost, those ghost things that came around and all the new scenes of Sephiroth. And there was even that scene of uh, Cloud and Jesse on the on the motorbike like that didn't happen in in the first game. So like getting more getting more time with Jesse and Biggs and Wedge, that's that's going to be really great. That's character development, because when you first meet them, they're just there saying, hey, you know, you're from from soldier yeah and then it's like you know fast then it's like once you start learning to be with them and they start learning to care about you yeah i just wonder like if we're gonna be able to explore different parts of midgar that we didn't get to explore before i know he's they said that in prior trailers but like or in prior events but like in some of the first trailers of this like the announcement trailer for example they showed stuff that was very clearly supposed to be of the like the upper plate and like the more rich people 
and you know because they, they're like in the sunlight and like you get to see what what that life is like whereas in the original final fantasy 7 you always hear about those people but you never actually really get to go up there like you always just see the the slum so i wonder if we'll get some of that exploration i also wonder if like all right so they made the motorbike and they're clearly adding more scenes where you can use the 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 motorbike i wonder if maybe you could use the trains or the motorbike to go in between the different sectors kind of like you know typical rpg style to go on missions and like you know, you can explore more freely, maybe. I don't know. There, there's a lot of opportunities here. Like, that's the thing. Midgar was such a big place, and it was a very linear uh, version of it, you know, in FF7. So I'm excited. You know, I, I'm with you, Cher. Like, I, I want to see more of Midgar. And uh, I think, like, in terms of potential, Midgar, like, of, of any one location, Midgar has the most potential for this kind of development like there's other areas that are also cool like junon but i don't think junon could support a full game like that like there's a lot of cool story events that happen there but that's not the kind of place that you would base a whole game on but midgar absolutely there's so much to it like it's clearly supposed to be the largest you know, human settlement on that planet. So, you know, might as well do it. And, you know, just, you know, a little bit of a nod back to all of Nomura's projects these days seem like their revenge for uh, what happened to Versus 13 in Final Fantasy 15. Like, the the big thing that they were hyping up all the time that Nomura was on the project for versus 13 and for 15 was insomnia and all the rumors that i kept hearing was like insomnia was supposed to be the midgar of that game and everything that i'm seeing of midgar and ff7 remake just like all i ask you people is all you know you people listening to the show go back watch the original 2011 trailer of versus 13 and then watch the new final fantasy 7 trailer side by side and you'll see like oh crap this is like pretty much the same style of gameplay here like the action combat switching party members taking control of them issuing commands you know big set pieces in a city at night like it's a lot of those same ideas so i'm i'm just so excited that you know nomura's getting an opportunity to do this kind of a story so uh yeah here's here's hoping He's hoping that goes well and hoping that the the next the, the next games in that project also go well. So uh yeah, there's uh there's a lot to talk about today, so let's uh keep going on. So for you new folks, Kingdom Hearts Union is part of the podcast series called Final Fantasy and Kingdom Hearts Union and is presented by the Gaming Union Network. We release every Tuesday, rotating each week with Final Fantasy Union, and we come out on the iTunes store, Spotify. Sure. Did you know we're on Spotify? I didn't know that. We're on Spotify. I just, oh, um, I found out this morning that we are on Spotify. <laughs> like, I literally thought about it last night. I was like, wait, we're on iTunes. We, we should, we be, should on be on Spotify. Spotify. Exactly. Yeah, it turns out we're on Spotify. So, yeah, if if you, you want to find us on Spotify, definitely search for Final Fantasy Union or Kingdom Hearts Union. We should be able to find us there. And, uh, yeah, so if you're not on uh if you're not on an iPhone or you plan on switching to Android at some point, Spotify is a great option for listening to the podcast. Yeah, Final Fantasy Union is uh, on there as well with us. You know, it's 
same same uh, broadcast, just on Spotify. And we're also on KingdomHeartsUnion.com and Kingdom Hearts Union's Twitter, which is at Cage Union. We have a two-segment show today. At first, we're going to talk about the Famitsu interview that Tetsuya Nomura did relating to all the stuff that happened at uh, at E3. And second, we'll do our question segment. In the way of announcements, as always, if you guys like the show, please consider supporting us on Patreon at patreon.com slash ffkhunion. And our Patreon executive producers are as follows. We have Nahika Blaui. We've got Joseph Robertson, who's at Pokemon Trainer J. We've got uh, Guide Seeker, uh, Alex and Rachel Troutman, who are at Akira Namjian. We have Chris Morales, Keith Field, who's at The Mighty Keith, Michael Graham, Billy Jackson, who's at underscore Billy Jackson, Barry Norton, who's at Nortron Zero, Miles Ribbons, and Tro, if you could take these last ones. We got Thorn Bullen and Mesker23, David Calro, Tori Patrick. Chris Pope, who is at Dr. Pop181, Yannick Nod, who is at Yannick Nod, Lewis James, Nick Moreland, Zach Duranto, Frey Stella, or Freya Stella, I'm sorry, Rachel Casterston at Uber Yoon Ray, Hunter Morgan, Muhammad Quayam, Zelda Clone at Apes Type Novels, and Darren Matthews at Doomster73. And be a part of the show. Send us your questions to khuquestions at gmail.com. And the Deep Dive stream reaches its exciting conclusion this coming Friday, June 28th, 8 p.m. Eastern Time. I'm going to be streaming the final part of Kingdom Hearts 3. We're going to tackle the skine of Severance and everything that is required all towards... The ending of Kingdom Hearts 3, including the secret ending. So please be there or be Square Enix. That is Twitch TV slash KHUnit. It's going to be really exciting. Be there. And moving on to our first segment of the show. I know we talked about so much about Final Fantasy 7 Remake, but hey, 7 Remake shares so much blood and DNA with Kingdom Hearts. I consider it an honorary member of the family. It's Not like to a, mention. It, it's like it's like a cousin from like Exactly. Yeah, like a cousin. Exactly. It's a cousin. And on top of that, like Cloud and Kingdom Hearts, you know, there's so much ties there, so you know. I I I feel no regrets ever talking about, you know, uh Final Fantasy Seven stuff on here. So moving on from there, uh we're gonna talk about the stuff that went on during the uh Famitsu interview. The first kind of interesting bits of conversation revolved around what the title of the Kingdom Hearts DLC is, Kingdom Hearts Remind. And basically, Nomura says that the title has several meanings. He he gave it, uh you know, several different, you know, meanings, some of which, you know, we'll get, and then some of which are a little bit complicated. So it's going to be a little bit of Japanese time. Uh, I'm, I'm going to give you what what he said specifically in Japanese. So the first meaning that he gave for Kingdom Hearts Remind, or the word remind in Japanese was, Omoi okosaseru, which means to recall a memory or to more, more uh, directly reawaken a memory. So for all of these, I specifically went out and consulted with an actual Japanese person 
so I could get their opinions on what these mean because, you know, there's only so much that I can do as, you know, an American that, uh, you know, is learning Japanese. Uh, so I, I decided to get some, uh, some opinions from uh, an actual Japanese person on what they think. Full disclosure, this person knows almost nothing about Kingdom Hearts. So I asked her what the first one was and she was like, yeah. It's you know it's kind of like what you, what you got recalling and reawakening. It's basically remembering something, but she specifically said that this is not like recalling what you had for breakfast yesterday. This is like this has a very strong like connotation to it. So this is like recalling something from maybe long ago that has been dormant, and you know it's this is you would only use this phrase for something serious this is not remembering what what color shirt you wore last week you know this is like remembering a, a you know something strong something that, like that. maybe what about like uh recalling a, a memory from the past yes yes so something like from far away and say something important the first say around the age of fairy tales the first keyblade war Yep, intent with uh... definitely a possibility. Yep. So this is like not just this is not some basic recalling of something. This is like something that you had to pull out. So that that's uh, that was the first meaning. Remind. Uh, the next one is uh, uh, sai kakunin. Sai kakunin. So kakunin means to confirm. That's a word that I use all the time at school. Uh, we're always like confirming things, like just to like you know, just to confirm the schedule. You know, we we use the word kakunin. Like if you know, if I need to confirm what my uh, class schedule is for a day, uh, uh, like uh, say like ano kakunin shitai. Ano, I want to confirm this or something like that. So kakunin, that's to confirm. But sai kakunin would be to to reconfirm. So it's kind of like, uh, I guess in this case, to confirm that something is a certain thing again. I don't know. It's it's really hard because it's like, without more context, even for me as a Kingdom Hearts fan, it's hard to to see uh, where that could fit in. But it's kind of like, you know, to com- to reconfirm your true intentions, to reconfirm your true worth, to reconfirm some aspect about yourself. I think, um, you know, talking about the trailer, that's kind. I would say this particular meaning of reconfirming. That's kind of what Xehanort is talking about. How, like, he realizes, you know, in an awful way just how important he is. So I would say that situation would be a situation of reconfirmation that he's reconfirming. Ah, yeah, yeah. I'm still important. I'm still, you know, necessary to this, whatever, to the system, so to speak. So I would say that's, that's the one thing I could think of that has any relation to reconfirming, but yeah, uh, my Japanese friend here, she said, yeah, that, that's, that's exactly what it means. It's to confirm again. And then, uh, the last one, this is the one that we had the longest conversation about. Uh, 
And I specifically, you know, during this conversation, I also brought up the fact that, like, you know, I've been covering this Kingdom Hearts stuff for a long time. And, you know, we always get these interviews and it's like really hard for us to translate and then make it make sense in English. And then just like, you know, out of curiosity, like, am I struggling with this? just because I'm a Japanese learner or am I also struggling because he's being vague and confusing? And he's like, Oh no, no, this is, this is confusing even for me. So it's kind of reassuring to be like, okay, good. It's not just us, you know? So any of you kingdom hearts fans out there that you read these interviews sometimes and you're like, what the hell is he talking about? It is not just us. Japanese people also have the same reaction to the stuff he talks about so that is Namora for you that's Namora for you so just to be clear that is Namora so going on that the last uh explanation that he gives for the title the last possible meaning he gives for the title is kokoro no saise kokoro no saise so um the kanji for this the the kanjis that are used in this are first kokoro which is heart could also mean mind and then sai, which would be like to do something again. And then say, say meaning life. So it's like, you know, the, the most literal, literal, literal yet incorrect translation would be like, like your, your heart, it, it, you know, is born again in a way. But the, a better translation of this is a return of your heart, a revitalization of your heart. And the, it doesn't quite come across that well in English, but some of the things that I talked about with my friend here, she was basically saying that, um, the, like if she were to ever use this word, which she said, like, I don't think I've ever heard a Japanese person ever use this, but I, I, she's like, I get what it means. But it is not common Japanese whatsoever. But if I were to if I were to use this, it would kind of be like you know, imagine you're like an old man, a grandpa, and you see like uh, I don't know an old toy that you had, and then in that moment when you hold that toy, it kind of brings you back to the good old days, and it reminds you and puts you. And this is specifically the the point she was trying to make. This is not necessarily that you forgot the old days it sort of like it puts you in the mindset like all the feelings that you had back then come back as well it's not just the memory but also the kokoro the heart of the situation you know that also returns in that moment and it's like oh i remember this and oh this brings me back to the good old days and like you know it's not just the memories but also the feelings and it's almost like you become that person that you were back then, even for just a moment. And that's kind of what it it is. And if you think about it in a Kingdom Hearts context, especially with this whole like tale of fairy, fairy tale stuff, you know, th- there's a lot of meaning that could possibly be had there. You know, like the whole deal with like Ventus, you know, he's in the Union Cross games, yet he still exists here in the future. So... You know, like 
who he was then and who he was now, like what relation does that have? And you know, you have the whole like Marluxia thing and maybe that's what happened to Marluxia after we beat him in this kind of severance. Maybe that's what happens as he like, he recalls who he was back then and all the feelings and memories and emotions all come back. So it's like, you know, yeah, you could, I mean, there's, this is like you said, you know, usually like, like you were mentioning about recalling something, you know, yeah. it's, pretty clear because it's like you know when you watch the trailer you know basically you have you know Zigbar mm-hmm. asking Luke who he is and yep. then if you if you go back to the cutscene with Xemnas talking to Demix, Larxene Marluxia, Marluxia and Luke Sword mm-hmm. and the one thing he says you know the ancient the ancient Keyblade stuff that that's still inside you exactly so yeah I would say like Based on my conversations, my best explanation for what these meanings all encompass is that it is not just remembering stuff, but also in both memories and also in identity and personality and feeling in all ways, in a very all-encompassing fashion, you are becoming who you used to be, you know, that's, that's basically, and and reconfirming that. And like all, all of that stuff is like the essence of who you were in the past, your memories, your feelings, everything about that coming to the future back to you in this moment. And, you know, kind of re re entering who you are, you know, just like, I, I don't know, an old man, you know, listening to an old song and then suddenly in an instant being feeling like he, he's he been transported to who he was at that time. It's kind of like that. That's that that that's kind of the, the feelings that I was getting from my conversation about what these things were. So and, and the, the, these are reactions from a real Japanese person who does not have any context of Kingdom Hearts, but, it you know, has full context of what it means to be Japanese and knows Japanese. So. I thought that would be an interesting uh, perspective because, you know, we usually get translations, albeit very great translations of people that have been translating this forever, understand Tetsuya Nomura. I just thought it'd be kind of an interesting, uh, an interesting twist to get get a different perspective on this from someone who just lives here and uh, was born here and lived their whole lives here. So moving on from there, uh, we got a lot more context about stuff that was in the trailer at E3. So, uh, basically the, the, the first main thing that Tetsuya Nomura wanted to clarify was that the trailer footage that we saw, uh, mostly showed stuff from the additional scenario that's being added to the game. So the additional cutscenes that are being added to the game and none of the content that we saw there come from the limit cut episode. So we wanted to be clear about that is that what we're seeing here is stuff from the additional scenario. He also goes on to say that the Luke Sword and Zigbar conversation is uh, the first thing that you're going to see. It's the beginning of that additional scenario. It's uh, what kicks it all off. And I guess when you think about it, like chronologically speaking, if this is something that happens in uh, Olympus, that makes sense. You know, that happens at the beginning of Sora's journey. So, you know, it makes sense that that's going to be one of the first things. Uh, Churro... Uh, how, how do you feel about the the direction of the additional scenario 
this time being a little bit different than what we got in uh, Kingdom Hearts 2 Final Mix. Because in T- Kingdom Hearts 2 Final Mix, if you remember, we got a, a lot of cutscenes, a lot of extra cutscenes in Kingdom Hearts 2 Final Mix, but they were sprinkled throughout the whole game. How do you feel about this time it being a separate thing that you have to unlock and that I you're going to see out of context? I mean, it's 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 half and half, you know. You, I mean, it's one you don't have to play the, the entire game again to get it. Yeah. But also at the same time, once it unlocks, you know, I'm sure you, it'll probably be back in the theater mode. Yeah. So, so you I guess can just, you can watch it in order, maybe then. Yeah. So like the, everything's like pretty much there, accessible for you. So right, right, you know, it's. It's fine with me. I don't. Yeah. Because basically, when you think about it, all the fans care about is just accessing all of that stuff right away. Exactly. So you don't have to play the game again for it. It's right there. I think also another important difference about this is that unlike the past, where it was Kingdom Hearts Final Mix, which was, you know, a different release, this is DLC for Kingdom Hearts 3. So the people that own these games, they have a complete save that they can work from. Whereas, you know, with a release like Kingdom Hearts Final Mix, that's a different release. That's a different product, you know, kind of like with uh, Persona 5, uh, the Royal. Like that's a that's a completely separate release where saves don't carry over. So, you know, this time around, literally all of the people that will be accessing this game all of them will have access to the original kingdom hearts and kingdom hearts 3 and will most likely have finished the game by then so yeah i i you know it's a different it's a different twist on the concept but i guess you you know uh, you you know i'm assuming that they're going to write with that in mind which means every single part of that additional scenario is going to act on the knowledge that you've seen everything in the game whereas in the original kingdom hearts 2 final mix and and the extra cutscenes there they kind of had to be careful and not spoil anything that's going to happen later in kingdom hearts 2 at at the time that they're putting the cutscenes in so i I come i'm interested in seeing you know how that's gonna twist and turn and evolve over time uh i I think if i remember correctly churro uh the the part where we get to choose who we play as in the sky of severance he said that was a part of the additional scenario is that correct i think so i think i'm I'm pretty yeah because he said he said none of that was limit cut he like, said that the, for sure. Like, like playing as like Roxas and Aqua and Riku. Yeah, like he said he, that was not limit cut. This is uh, it, it says he says they're not. The video consists of elements including additional stereo, rather than limit cut itself. So that's so, interesting. So that I think that makes it a lot more palatable because if it's literally just we start the additional scenario and then it's just nonstop cutscene, 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 cutscene. I think I would get bored. But if there's also gameplay with it too, that should be pretty fun because that's going to be like you know a proper, you know a proper gameplay cutscene loop that you get to go through. So uh, I I would appreciate that. Yeah, because it says he's then he goes on to say similar how you play as Riku and Aqua the main story, 
there will be stages in the additional scenario we can select which character you like to use. Yeah. You know what part of the Kingdom Hearts 3 plot that I want to see, and I'm assuming maybe that's what we're going to get to play, is I want to see what happens after Sora goes into Kingdom Hearts when when all the other lights are on the outside. I want to see what they do because it sounds like they worked really hard so that they could appear in Kingdom Hearts right 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 at the end when they you know they see after Sora's defeated uh Xehanort uh when when they show up again you know it seems like they had to work hard to get there so I kind of see want to see what they did to achieve that I think that would be pretty interesting to see I wonder if anything happened on the outside you know you got dark yeah. raining everywhere it's like I'd be I'd be pretty cool if you know, instead of the the giant darkness balls that are flying out of Kingdom Hearts, yeah. Instead of like, instead of disappearing on the ground, they would create actual Heartless or something. Yeah. Oh, uh, maybe it could be like, uh, remember End of the World in Kingdom yeah. Hearts One, like little portals. That'd be pretty neat, and you could maybe go to like different worlds and uh, fight there. That could way, be. it'll vary it up a little bit. So that that's really interesting. So yeah, moving on from there. Uh, so yeah, like 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 we said before, you must complete the main game before seeing the additional scenario, and the additional scenario is played separately from the main game. Uh, as for Demix, all Amora could say is he's coming, and he gave like a a wry smile, <laughs> as he is very uh, likely to do in these kinds of interviews when he's not allowed to say something. So. At the very least, very exciting. Uh, uh, Churro, h- how do you feel about uh, Nomura basically confirming, yep, Demix is important. <laughs> uh, it's about time. <laughs> about time, exactly. Yeah, but yeah, De- mean... Demix was... Uh, re- remember that one cutscene where, yeah, when, where Zemnus, he was like, you know, w- you know, the reason I chose you, 9 through 12, was to awaken the... Uh, you know, the ancient Keyblade legacy that rests within you. So I'm guessing he's one of those. So he's he's obviously got to have something important about him. Yeah, I mean, I mean, we've already seen so far, you know, Marluxia and and Larxene and Union Cross. Yep. You know, so and based on what uh uh based on what uh Zigbar and Luxord were talking about clearly Luxord is uh very important i mean they're going to start this exi- they're starting this initial additional scenario they're starting it with Luxord so he might be the most important and, and at least you know just based on him being first yeah, there's a ton of mystery surrounding what he gave Sora you know, yeah. Namora even goes to say that you know it's going to be use somewhere down the line in the future so yep that's important so interesting to see uh moving on from there the oathkeeper keyblade slash the oathkeeper form will be a part of free dlc that will release at the same time as kingdom hearts 3 remind the only thing that yeah it's nice the only thing that i'm not as happy about with that is that because that's free dlc that means that you're just gonna get it like it's just gonna unlock kind of like the yeah, uh, like the other keyblades too. Those like, console like, like keyblades. When you start, like when you start the game and you it's gonna be like, like oh, Oathkeeper unlocked. Whereas like I'm, Oathkeeper is a really important story element, and last time we saw Oathkeeper, Sora gave it back to Kyrie in Kingdom Hearts two. So it's like 
I would much rather prefer there be like a story moment where she like, you know, remember like back on Destiny Islands when they exchange power proof fruit. Maybe like, like if she gave him Oathkeeper, you know, just to keep him safe or something. I'm, I'm more upset because I think that you know, Oathkeeper is now like an iconic Keyblade now. Yeah, it's so but iconic, it, and it pairs with the Oblivion. Yeah, so it's like. Like, why couldn't we get both the Oathkeeper and Oblivion? I know. And they lit... It is definitely not because they don't have the model. Because they definitely have the model. Roxas is holding it. So they definitely have it modeled. You know, maybe they don't want to make the Oblivion form. Okay, whatever. Like, I wouldn't mind even if it was just like a slightly different variation of the Oathkeeper form. Like, if it was like a more dark version of the Oathkeeper form. Maybe it swings a little slower but has more power or you know something like that like i I don't mind if it's like a reskin of oathkeeper form so with maybe with different stats but i don't know we'll see what they do they clearly have oathkeeper they clearly have oblivion they'll probably do something with it someday it's just you know such a waste if yeah, they, for sure. If they Oath, you know, it's you know, we got Oathkeeper and Oblivion in Kingdom Hearts two. Yeah, it's like keep that tradition going, you know. Plus, exactly. plus they're, they're plus they're part of you know Riku and Kairi's connection with Sora. Yeah, Riku's connection is important too. So, oh well, I guess like the the actual connection between Riku and the Oblivion Keyblade were never like properly properly established. I, I kind of hope maybe one day it will be, but you know, in in story form to give it a little bit more of the same development the Oathkeeper got. But you know, I guess we'll see one day. Uh, moving on from there, uh, Nomura says he can't say much about the limit cut bosses, but they're aiming for about the same amount as in Kingdom Hearts Two Final Mix. And they even said, like, when they were writing the additional scenario, that it went through uh, two revisions. And by the end of the second revision, it was like, man, this is uh, actually quite a lot of stuff. There's actually going to be a lot of cutscenes in this. So, yeah, overall, surprise, surprise. Yeah, the Kingdom Hearts 2 uh, Final Mix DLC and this uh, Kingdom Hearts 3 Remind, they're going to have, you know, roughly the same amount of content, they're saying. So. That's exciting. I, I honestly, from that last trailer, I, I wasn't sure what to expect because it was so. Uh, I would describe it as kind of conservative as to how much they decided to show. Like they showed like seemingly very little. Like they barely showed any gameplay. They didn't show any new bosses. So I was kind of surprised to hear that. Oh yeah, it's going to be like a ton of content. So uh, I'm excited about that. Oh, so my. it's. It's a lot of things to keep. It's going to take a while, you know, yeah. for people to finish it, it seems. Yeah, for sure. Uh, so, yeah, moving on from there, he did say a little bit about the secret episode. He All he said was, the secret episode will also have a fair share of bosses. So let's no, just be clear here. The limit cut episode is going to have about the same amount of bosses as two final mix so about 13 ish and then also the secret episode is going to have a few more bosses too it is not just one like like normally yeah they did. a fair share of bosses that's crazy yep so i can't wait i man to have more than one boss i know that's nuts i really hope though churro knock on wood but i really hope though that they have 
the secret ending as well. And I want not to be, I do not want them to cop out. I know the in-game graphics look amazing, but I don't want them to cop out. I want a CG secret ending, you know, a la, you know, uh, in the likes of Deep Dive, where, you know, you have the original secret ending, that's the Yozora secret ending. And that's kind of like the teaser one where there's no fighting. I want one where there's fighting. I don't know if we'll get that, but that's what I want. So yeah, moving on from there. Uh, yeah, with regards to the release of uh, Kingdom Hearts 3 Remind, uh, basically he says that it's uncertain whether or not they'll be able to make it for a release this year, but they said that they have to resubmit the DLC so they can get it rated. Uh, he, he says specifically in the magazine... Uh, uh, Cero, and that's that's basically their ESRB, but they would also have to release it for uh, the ESRB in the in the West and uh, Peggy in uh, Europe and whatever other ratings boards. I know Australia has their own ratings board as well. So basically, for certification of this content, they have to finish it at a certain time. So if they're like, I would say most likely they'll finish the game this year. But it's not like even if they finish it this year, that doesn't necessarily mean that it'll be ready for certification and out on the, you know, on the various networks to download. That's kind of like if you look at Kingdom Hearts 3, that's what happened to Kingdom Hearts 3 was Kingdom Hearts 3 wrapped development in 2018. It was December 2018. That's when they went gold. But it didn't actually release until January twenty, uh, January twenty ninth, the next year, because it had to go through all of not just you know manufacturing and you know delivering to all the stores, and then getting certified by Sony, certified by Microsoft, you know, you know any final ratings that they need to do for the ESRB and Peggy and Sarah. Like, there's a lot of stuff that goes into getting content on these big platforms for like triple a games. So, you know, just because they might finish it this year, does it necessarily mean that it'll also be out this year? So just keep that in mind. But yeah, they're very clear to reiterate that they definitely want to get it out as soon as possible to avoid any conflicts with the uh, final fantasy seven remake. So I would not be like, I'm, I'm pretty certain that regardless of when it releases, it'll definitely release before seven remake. So it's going to release before March third, twenty twenty. Winter is also not just you know December. You know, yeah. it's a stretch. It's like a like, like towards the end February of November is the last one. Like towards the end of November to like the end of February. Yeah, so it's a pretty large window. So I would expect them to uh, be somewhere in there. I, I, I'm I'm guessing like you know I'll just guess end of january be a very clean clean one year after kingdom hearts 3 simple i think that's what it's gonna be it's gonna be almost like a year after the game exactly so about a year after kingdom hearts 3 released they'll stick to that same kind of a release schedule that'll give them enough time to get it out but then also enough of a like buffer like enough of a gap between the release of remind and the release of uh seven remake because you got to remember just because you release before seven remake doesn't mean 
you're not conflicting with seven remake you have to have some time in between the releases to give people enough time to play through remind finish remind and and be done with it like so they need to like get it out and then have a like a buffer time so i think january is like the perfect time for that because that gives them like you know like a, a full month that you know of remind to be out and nothing else really to release so then once you know march comes around then it's all going to be ff7 remake no question so i think that pretty much wraps up the interview a lot of really interesting tidbits but at the end of the day it is still just tidbits i mean you know you know even though we we don't have a whole lot to go off of (laughs) exactly Exactly. Nomura says, you know, there's a lot of content in this DLC, but at the end of the day, it's not a game. It's just DLC. It's additional content for Kingdom Hearts 3. So we need to all keep our expectations in check when it comes to this. This is not going to be the next Kingdom Hearts game. This is going to be additional content for Kingdom Hearts 3. At the end of the day, that's all it is. So let's just keep our expectations in check on that. But, uh... You know, as always, it is exciting. These these things are always exciting because what it is going to mean for the future of the series is it's going to give us a better idea of what the next Kingdom Hearts three, what the next Kingdom Hearts three game, or what the next Kingdom Hearts game is going to be. So it is exciting for the future, but you know, in terms of what Remind will be at the end of the day, it is just DLC. So moving on from there. Moving on to our question segment. Our first question comes from Baron Hess, and they ask. When do you think the next proper title will be announced for Kingdom Hearts? Also, which would you prefer? Would you prefer they announce the middle title of the Kingdom Hearts series, but you know, the one that's between uh, uh Kingdom Hearts 3 and Kingdom Hearts 4? Would you prefer they announce the middle title and Kingdom Hearts 4 at the same time? You know, kind of like how they did with Chain of Memories and Kingdom Hearts 2. They announced both of those at TGS uh, 2003. Or would you rather they announce the middle title and then wait till after it's released before they announce Kingdom Hearts 4? So which do you think would be better, Churro? Do them all at once? I think... um, Or separate, uh, one at a time. I think think the latter, the separate. Because Mm -hmm. basically then you're going to be announcing... Then you know, Kingdom Hearts four too early again. You know they're going to be yep. keep making that same mistake. So focus on the one that comes there before. Are timers on HomePod. So just focus on the one that came from before. Yeah, and you know, focus on that. Yeah, that's that. That I, I definitely agree with that. I I also think like. To some extent, anything that you say about Kingdom Hearts 4 is instantly spoilers for the middle title. Yeah, pretty much. So it's like, it does, it's not going to make any sense. And then you're going to be sitting there waiting for it to come out. Yeah. You know, the only way I could uh, see it, the the only way it it would work is if the releases are like not that, like maybe like a year apart. Kind of like how, like, you know, Chain of Memories was released in. Was it 2004? Yeah, 2004. And then Kingdom Hearts 2 was released 2005 for Japan. You know, so it's like you had that was a year apart. So, you know, that was, you know, fine. Yeah. I would also say, like, the, the other really important factor is they would have to be very, very different in terms of 
like what kind of content they cover. Like they would have to be totally different and, and they can't necessarily be the same type of content. So like hypothetically speaking, if it was a game set in the age of fairy tales and the main character you play as was Xehanort or young master Ericus back in the day. Like if it's a story like that, where it's almost like a side story where it doesn't even feel like you don't even really know what the connection is exactly to the, to kingdom hearts Four, if it's separate like that then you could i could technically see them marketing both of those at the same time especially if like that game comes out on the switch whereas the other one comes out on ps5 i don't know it really, it really depends on what like you know how shit of memories you know was the perfect like setup for two you know it's yeah like, yeah you know it was it had that strong strong setup point it just you know how namara mentioned that the new title you know is more likely 3.5 than anything yeah so what we'll, it just really comes down to what does you know remind give us yeah to warrant that type of you know announcements yeah and I guess in terms of like when do you think like it'll actually be announced like I would say personally at the earliest next I would, E3. I would That's say what, next E3. If if cuz remake would uh, 7 remake would be out. Yep, you know, out and Remind you know, will be out. Remind will be out. So, you know, Nomoro's always known for working on the next one while even yeah. during development of the current one. Exactly. Now, you know, I've always, one of the things I always read in the Ultimanias was that Nora always says, oh, we started, you know, pre-development while, you know, we're wrapping up this one. So it's like, exactly. it wouldn't be a surprise to me if, the, you know, that they've already started working on the next, you know, title once yep. Kingdom Hearts 3 was released back in January. Yeah, I definitely feel like that's the case. I'd also say that uh, another important thing to remember is that uh, next E3 is going to be a big deal in terms of uh, just the gaming industry in general when it comes to consoles, because that's going to be the one where they really go all out on next gen. And you always know Square Enix loves to be at those next gen like blowout conferences and show off what their next big projects are going to be. So like I think... It's not impossible that a Kingdom Hearts title could be announced there. You know, let, let us not forget back in 2013 for the PlayStation 4, Kingdom Hearts 3 was announced there. It was a tease. It was not a proper, like proper, proper announcement. And it was, you know, from what we understand, it was actually just a CG trailer anyway, kind of a target footage trailer. But it was announced there. So there's a non, there's a non-zero chance that we might see something there. Uh, And, you know, I would say also Final Fantasy 16, where's that? Like that's, by the time we get there, 7 Remake is out, but it's just come out. So it might be too early to show the next stuff for the next episode of 7. And, you know, by then, like, you know... Whatever Yoshi, uh, Yoshida, uh, Naoki Yoshida, whatever he's working on, Yoshi P, you know, he's working on a big budget next gen RPG. Like, uh, duh, of course that's probably 16 and it's a fantasy RPG. So, like, (laughs) 
It's it, there's also a, probably a big chance that by then he he'll be ready to show something. So, you know, next E3 is going to be a pretty, I think, a pretty big deal for Square Enix because we're going to see what they're going to do for the next generation because, like, it's very clear. I, I would say, like, you know, based on what you were saying, Churro, about how empty E3 felt, it is very clear we are in a transition year right now. This is a transition year where most people can't talk about what they're working on because the platforms that those things are going to be out on haven't been announced yet properly like everybody's working on next gen and i think that's most like mostly why we didn't see so much this year you know if i was going to relate this e3 to another e3 the last time we had an e3 like this was e3 2012 like that's that's basically the the closest i can relate this to so you know that's that's pretty much what we're dealing with here so, uh, so yeah, I think that pretty much wraps up our, our question segment. The music for this episode is a remix of the Scala Ad Kylum Field theme. This one comes to us from uh, uh, the uh, guy on YouTube, Silver Tom 93 So definitely check him out. This is uh, the Silver Tom 93 remix of Scala Ad Kylum Field theme. And our next episode of Kingdom Hearts Union is scheduled for the 9th of July. As always, you can subscribe to Final Fantasy and Kingdom Hearts Union on the iTunes Store. Just search for Kingdom Hearts and we're number one. And of course, you can catch every episode at KingdomHeartsUnion.com, Spotify, or... Kingdom Hearts Union's Twitter, which is at KHUnion. I'm assuming you can subscribe to us on Spotify. I'm I'm assuming they have a Uh, subscribe button. There's a follow button so you can follow follow the account. Okay, so follow us on Spotify, please. If you, if you like Spotify, do that. Sounds like a good idea to me. And remember, as always, you can you guys can always support us on Patreon if you like the show. Patreon.com slash FFKHUnion. And send us your questions to KHUQuestions at gmail.com. All right, Cheryl. It is goodbye time. It's been a great, great show. Like, surprisingly, there was stuff to talk about even though E3's over. Oh yeah, but I mean, like it's that's one of the uh, the u- the the usual things that happen. Yeah. Um, after a big event, you know, then you have these like Japanese residual interviews that keep coming residual out. Residual interviews that come out from Famitsu, and then we're probably gonna get one from like the Genki. Yeah. Uh, Jump. You know, for gamer, you know, they they they're just gonna trickle down. You yeah. know, just how they usually do. That's good. So this will all be, you know, waiting until the next big, you know, announcement of news. Sure. When do you think we're going to hear more about uh, Remind? I would say either D23 in August or Mm -hmm. Tokyo Game Show in September. All right. Yeah, I would say those are, yeah, the two most likely candidates. And uh, yeah, so I guess we'll just have to keep an eye out for those. So yeah, August at the earliest probably at the latest TGS. I don't, I, I don't see them ever missing TGS for something like this. And uh, so that, that that should be pretty exciting. So definitely let's uh, wait out for that one. All right, Charo, say your goodbyes. Bye, guys. Thanks for tuning in. And I'm Brandon saying goodbye. This has been a KingdomHeartsUnion.com production. <laughs> Thank you.
We'll be right back. 